Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. So we're here at Marshall's with Liz for some holiday shopping. She's really nailing it this year, isn't she? Oh, yep. She's got a record player for Amy. A gorgeous cozy sweater for Jason. And some hot pink fluffy slippers for her sister. The perfect gift. Wait a sec. <gasps> She's getting a pair for herself. Well, with prices this good, it would be rude not to. You know what? She totally deserves it. Oh, totally. Happy holidays, everyone. See you at Marshall's. Fabulous brands. Feel good prices at, at Marshall's. Marshalls. Hi, this is Jay Billis of ESPN, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. It is, in fact, the ML Sports Platter all over the major platforms. Download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review. We are presented by Stanley Law Office's Brian Conboy of Mass Mutual New York State and Bryant and Stratton College of Syracuse. The classes, two- and four-year degrees, they're always starting soon. Remember, they have that brand-new nursing program as well. Go follow them on social media and visit them online at bryantstratton.edu. Two great locations for the campuses in central New York on James Street, and on Route 57 in Liverpool, Bryant Stratton College of Syracuse is a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. We are also supported by the Vince Aguera Consulting Group, Welch & Company Jewelers, and a big-time tip of the cap thank you as well to Prestwick Golf and the Syracuse Fitness Store. So last week I went down to Cooperstown to celebrate the induction of the 2020 class um you know at times it felt like it was normal and it was the same and other times it didn't um I went down met my man Scott Petoniak drove down and back with my man Rocco Carbone and my man Matt Michael uh tradition we do it every year um we all just you just get trapped in a time machine when you go to Cooperstown it's nostalgia it's the love of the game it's the history it's the connection of generations it's the shops and the cards and the food and the and the distillery and 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 fans up and down the streets and uh, the lake and and all of it just kind of blend a double day field all of it blended in I mean you it really truly is I mean it's a place that's only an hour and twenty minutes from my doorstep and it's literally um, got to be one of the greatest places on earth right I mean it just is and. You know, uh, the weather held out for us. Got a little couple sprinkles at the end of Jeter's speech. And then, of course, the, um, you know, the storms and all that held off. We got absolutely pissed on on the way home. I mean, it was a big sort of uh, rainstorm for a good 20, 30 minutes, and then it calmed down, and then it was sunny on the throughway once we got out of the Richfield Springs uh, in that sort of area, getting on the throughway and then buzzing it back to, uh, to central New York. But I just wanted to kind of recap the day and go one by one with the the inductees and and their impact on the game and some different things to uh, to say about them. I don't know how much more I can say about Derek Jeter that I that I've said and written you know the last twenty years. Um, 
but I'll try to, to add a little bit, and it'll be more about his speech. Um, but, you know, you just start right off the, the shoot. I mean, they did have about twenty to 25,000 fans in, in at the induction, um, which was great. Um, and, 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 you know, when you, when you think about what could have not happened, you know, the induction could have not happened. I mean, it was kind of tabled, not once, but twice, but three times. Um, and, and, you know, it was set once we kind of came out of things in June. Um, and then it was, you know, limited ticket capacity, then we're going to open it. And then it's limited again. I think I heard yesterday it was limited, um, to 30,000, I thought was what my man Rocco said. I didn't read that anywhere, but he had caught it. Um, neither here nor there. It was, it was certainly not 50. Um, and so from that standpoint, it didn't seem, uh, as normal. Cause I think with Jeter, you know, I think you would have approached that, you know, Ripken Gwynn sort of crowd in, in 2007. Um, I should also mention by the way that I have, um, a bunch of interviews to play, uh, for you, uh, on this show. Uh, Tino Martinez, uh, Willie Randolph, Peter Gammons, and Barry Bloom from Sportico. Uh, got a chance to talk to all of those guys. I tried to get interviews with Michael Jordan, Patrick Ewing, CeCe Sabathia, but they all said no. CeCe took a picture with me. But um, they all said no. They didn't give any audio to anybody. Hell, Steinbrenner said no. I did catch up with Brian Cashman and Jorge Posada for about a minute or two each, and the audio, for one reason or another, freaking technology, came out super spotty, super choppy, and it's not usable right now, and I'm very sad about that, especially for the Posada uh, part because he just talked awesome, just awesome uh, uh, talk about Jeter. Um, so I'm trying to save that audio. I've I've reached out to a couple of my uh, a couple of my folks in the business to see if they can do some specializing uh, with the production, but um, I'm not optimistic on it. Um, but just you know, fifty it would have been fifty thousand probably ish forty you know forty five fifty thousand under normal circumstances, but a lot of the day felt normal. I mean, we pulled in, it was just busy enough. It was bustling. It was kind of a late crowd. We parked, uh, you know, right on chestnut, uh, when we, when we pulled in, um, you know, we walked down, we got our passes, we walked back up, we went into main town. Um, you know, I saw my man Vinny at the seventh inning stretch. We, uh, hung out around main street. Um, you know, there weren't people signing as much, uh, in, in the morning. There's, the signing days are Friday, Saturday down there for the Hall of Famers uh, in specific spots. Reggie Jackson was signing. Pete Rose was signing. They've had some kind of scattered guys this week during the week, like John Smoltz was there, Spaceman Lee was there, uh, and some others. But it was very, very light. And you didn't have, even Sunday morning, there's usually that table with, you know, Goose Gossage, Raleigh Fingers, and, you know, Juan Marichal and whoever with Jack Burt. They're always there on Sundays. Nobody was there whatsoever on, on Sunday morning. So that was kind of odd, but... Uh, didn't throw a wrinkle really into a lot of things. Um, and then, you know, we basically went to our place at New York Pizzeria, crushed some pizza, and then walked to the induction and covered it. And then I got all the interviews, got the pictures and all the rest. It was really a terrific day. And as far as the speeches are concerned, I mean, I, you know, I thought Ted Simmons, you know, it wasn't really blow away, but it was, it was, it was solid. It was, it was a decent, you know, respectful, um, you know, uh, uh, speech. <clears throat> Marvin and, and Simmons, you know, he was a catcher extraordinaire. I, I think, you know, getting involved, you know, getting picked by this modern uh, veterans committee type of a thing. You know, I don't know. He's kind of one of these guys like you, you, he, he's in the Hall of Fame, but like you kind of look at it and you're like, is he a Hall of Famer? I, you know, 
I, I look at his uh, the modern baseball era committee. You know, they 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 put him in. He was an eight time All Star. He won a Silver Slugger. I don't really know what else you know he he stands for to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, the batting average is a two eighty five clip. That's really good. Obviously, he played an extremely durable position. Uh, catcher is just you have to. You, I think with catchers, certain players shortstop, and that's, you know, again, another thing with Jeter that's just another accolade, right, to his remarkable resume. But catcher, you've really got to take, like, another level up, I think, right? Like, if you produce really pretty good numbers, like Johnny Bench, I believe, has 389 home runs career, right? And I got in a little spat on Facebook with somebody who, you know, he's like, oh, Larry Walker's not a Hall of Famer. I was like, well, actually, well-rounded player, won an MVP, three batting titles, uh, was dominant, was an all-around five-tool player. Uh, he was like, only has 383 home runs. Listen, you can take a stat that hurts a guy to get him in the Hall of Fame, and you can take a stat that helps a guy to get him into the Hall of Fame. You can make up any. He's the only player in the last 20 years with 200 stolen bases, 300, blah, 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 you know, and all those, <clears throat> you know, that you hear about. Hey, you start bringing up Aaron, Ruth, Mays, you know, uh, uh, Mantle, DiMaggio, <laughs> You know, Frank Robinson, Jeter, Griffey, you know, the, the numbers go up way more than that, right? Or like the 3,000 hit, 600 home run club or 700 home run club, right? Like those are just absurd, absurd numbers. There are certain numbers you can use that pull people out and you can use some that say, let's push them in, right? And so there are a lot of guys in the Hall of Fame. I've said this for a long time. Harold Baines should not be in. That was ridiculous. Tony La Russa basically was a political uh, ploy there. Uh, to get him in, that was absurd. The guy never finished higher than ninth as an MVP in the American League. Very nice player, really good player, no disrespect, but he ain't a Hall of Famer. This is the elite of the elite. Hall, halls of Fame are not supposed to be Hall of Very Good, as my old friend Bud Poliquin used to say. It's not. It's a Hall of Fame, period, end of discussion. And the elite of the elites should be in this thing. And I just don't think Ted Simmons is the elite of the elite. I don't think Bill Mazurowski is. I think he rode that moment with a game-winning home run in 1960. Um, in the World Series against the Yankees. Um, I don't think Phil Rizzuto is a Hall of Famer. I don't think Bruce Suter is a Hall of Famer. I don't know as if Lee Smith is a Hall of Famer. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys who aren't really, I'm not sure if they're all the way there. I, I, I just don't know. Barry Larkin, I thought, was a fringe player for a while, but because of the steroid era and a lot of the things that were going on, they had to fill the class in 2000, I think, 11. So, there's a, there are a lot of guys who I, I don't think should be in the Hall of Fame, but then you look at some others who are out. Uh, plus, the other problem is when you start putting in the Hall of Very Good or the Hall of Almost Elite, right, you start to say, well, he's in, so he should be in. And I just think that's a really, really bad path to go down. You shouldn't have to put in a player to put in another player, right? So Ted Simmons is an, oh, that's going to help Thurman Munson, who I don't, I don't think is a Hall of Famer. I, I realize what happened, the circumstances were awful, um, but it is what it is. I mean, it, it happened, and his numbers, you can't assume. I mean, Willie Randolph told me, and you'll hear it in the interview, like he basically said, you know, I think I think he is a Hall of Famer, and he explained why, because if he didn't perish in the plane crash, Munson would have put up a ton of amazing numbers, and ba-boom. But we also can't predict the future. What happens if he would have torn a knee up in 1981 and didn't catch, and then two years later he was out of baseball? I mean, the, you know, you just don't, you can't predict that stuff. And so, um you know, I you know it's like Alan Trammell. Alan Trammell was really, really, really good. I've gone back and forth with him as well. Alan Trammell, you know, now that he's in, everybody, oh, well, Lou Whitaker's got to be in. But I, I just, I don't, I can't stand that. 
you know, well, one closer, you know, Lee, Trevor Hoffman, Lee Smith, you know, let's get them all, you know, let's keep them going. Let's get them. I just don't, I don't subscribe to, well, that player's in, so this one has to be in. And I, I disagree with a lot of players being in. I realize Ted Simmons, as I started to dive deep into his careers, I don't, I didn't really know a lot about him. You know, he played, what, 20, he played, let me see, 12, uh, 20 years in, 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 in the major leagues. And again, with those 20 years, I mean, he, he kind of compiled numbers. You know, his is more of a compilation. Like you could say, well, Derek Jeter, well, yeah, but Derek Jeter is six all time in hits. I understand you have to play a long time to get a lot of big numbers, but Ted Simmons doesn't have big numbers. He played for 20 years. So he doesn't have anywhere near, you know, the Johnny Bench type of numbers and all the rest. His RBI is 1389. It's solid. Home runs 248. Solid. 2472 hits. Solid. Career batting average is impressive. 285. Solid. But I, you know, I, I just don't know as if he stands out. Gave a nice speech. He had a really nice career. Um, you know, obviously, you know, he was in 1975, one of his big years, right? 18 homers, 100 RBI, uh, career high, 332 batting average, uh, finished second in, in, in the batting championship behind Bill Madlock. But, you know, there aren't, you know, he had strong years, 78, 80, 303, 21, and 98, uh, won the silver slugger. But like, you know, there's no MVP. There's no World Series MVP. There's no, I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of difficult. I, I know he caught the two no-hitters as a Cardinal with Bob Gibson. Um in 71 and, uh, and, and, and Bob Forsh is the first of his in 78. There's, there are a few stats and I'll just read this here. 21, actually 21 years he played. Um, he ended his career with a 986 fielding percentage, which is a big deal as a catcher. Eight all-stars, seven times batted above 300, 20 home runs, six times, eight times exceeded 90 runs batted in switch hit home runs in game three times, uh, and established a broke, it's been broken since, but it was, he established that national career record for home runs by a switch hitter at 182. So I guess that kind of adds a little bit to him and kind of why he got in, um, you know, a, a, a switch hitter, um, great fielder, um, durable, a lot of those things, you know, the catcher position, I guess that's kind of what got him, him in. I, 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 you know, I'm not, I don't even really teeter totter on him. I think he should, you know, he's probably just out. But it is what it is. Um, moving on to Marvin Miller. Every owner, every player, every general manager, every agent should be thanking Marvin Miller. Here's a guy who uh, challenged the reserve clause, was on the side of Kurt Flood, uh, helped him also battle racism, and, you know, uh, fought that reserve clause, went to the Supreme Court, lost, but then convinced a couple of pitchers, of course, in the big leagues, you know, hey, don't extend a contract with this current team. You don't need to, you're not their property. And thus, it started to steamroll towards, uh, you know, free agency. And players started to see what he was doing, and he was an activist for it. And he was talking to media people constantly every day and trying to get into the ears and mind of people about free agency and exactly how important it was. You are not a piece of property. And fast forward, right, like shortly after, Catfish Hunter signs a mega deal like for a million bucks, right, and Reggie Jackson. So, and then just the numbers explode. And obviously one of the big things, too, was the players' union, you know, getting their money, getting protected, um, becoming the strongest, really, I think, union in the country. Uh, it used to be the Steelworkers, and, and I think Donald Fear, who, by the way, is a complete clown, 
and gave the speech uh, to honor Miller posthumously. Miller should have been in 20, 25, 30 years ago. I mean, this is just absurd that he that he it took this long to get him. And he's one of the four or five most influential people in baseball history. I mean, him and Babe Ruth and Branch Rickey and Jackie Robinson and you know I'd throw some Negro leaguers in there. You know, Josh Gibson perhaps and you know Hank Aaron, Mays, you know those kind of guys, right? George Steinbrenner, Jacob Rupert. Those type of big names, you know, 10, 15 biggest names in the game's history, for God's sakes, Marvin Miller is in there. And, of course, the Players Union developed into an extremely strong group, which, by the way, in a way it is, it, it actually ended up being a bad thing, right? Because Donald Fear and company and Bud Selig, uh, you know, the strike happened in 94. The players and owners were not, neither one would budge. I blame both sides, of course, because they just were spoiled brats and then of course pedal forward when we get baseball back and then you've got the home runs of 98 and um you know all these things coming on the scene Ripken I think saved baseball a little bit with the consecutive game streak and and all that but it was the long ball it was McGuire and Sosa added to it it was Barry Bonds later on and and all of a sudden you know there's because the union was so strong going back to Marvin Miller you know there was no drug testing you know and so no blood tests, no no urine tests, no this, no that. So guys were just pounding steroids into their bodies, man. They were taking creatine and andro, and they were doing all sorts of HGH and all sorts of steroids, and it was just absurd. And uh, it got us to, you know, where we are now with questioning the steroid era, and, you know, guys aren't going to get in because of the steroid era, which is a joke because baseball turned a blind eye. They won't honor it. They won't recognize it. They won't, they won't you know, it, it's just really the whole dark cloud bullshit uh, topic. But Marvin Miller, man, I'll tell you, everybody in the game today collecting those monster checks, TV deals and the like, you know, they should be GMs, owners, players, and agents. They should be thanking Marvin Miller. Scott Boris, are you listening? Larry Walker's speech was awesome. Um, he was super funny, you know, called his brothers clowns in a, in a fun way. Uh, had had just a bunch of great things to say about his career. Um and, you know, I really like Larry Walker. He's just such a likable guy. His speech was amazing. Great career. Five-time All-Star, three Silver Sluggers, one an MVP, three batting titles, seven gold gloves. I mean, this is kind of more like, to me, a Hall of Fame resume. Uh, he also hit 313 career. He had a 400 OBP, which is pretty darn good. Uh, OPS career was 965. And, by the way, he played 17 years. He didn't play 22, 23, 25 years and compile. Larry Walker's a Hall of Famer. You can argue it all day long. He's a Hall of Famer. Um, I know there are a lot of guys who have won uh, MVPs, and somebody says, well, if Larry, well, come on, you're going against your argument. Larry Walker, you know, if he's in, then Don Mattingly should be in because he won an MVP. No, it doesn't, it doesn't go like that. There are some players who have outstanding numbers in a shorter amount of time there are players, like Mattingly played for 14 years, right? But with his back and some of the games that he missed in 94 and 95, and certainly he was, you know, he missed, what, 60 games in 1990. He missed a bunch of games in 93. Uh, Don Mattingly has nine gold gloves. He has two more than Larry Walker. He has an MVP. He has a batting title. Um, he has also, th you know, uh, three silver sluggers, right? But Larry Walker has three batting titles, and you look at 17 years, and you look at just a little bit more on, you know, for example, he has 1,311 RBI. Mattingly only has 1,099, right? Um, the batting average and the OBP are crazy great numbers. 2,160 hits, like, 
you know, that's Larry Walker's hit total. Don Mattingly, you know, he has 21.53, which is which is pretty good. Um, so they're right kind of there. But I think, you know, a few things stand out. Uh, Mattingly was a great fielder for sure. Um, you know, uh, uh, Walker was an awesome fielder. I mean, there was a while there that I, I think, you know, Don Mattingly might have been the best first baseman in baseball, you know, him and him and Keith Hernandez. Um, you know, but again, you look at a way lower OBP and OPS and, you know, I think Walker has just a little bit more. Now look, Mattingly's close. Mattingly is, I think, two full years, two to three full years of production away from being a Hall of Famer and, and one other major, major accolade, right? Like, let's say he wins another MVP and he has 26, let's say he has, you know, two, let's say he doesn't miss as many games during his career and he plays another two unbelievable years that are 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 closer to like 1988, uh, not necessarily even the MVP year, but like 88, 89, you know, hit 311, you get 100 RBI, you hit 23, 24 home runs, uh, you know, you collect, uh, you know, RBI, you know, uh, home run hit RBI, 191, 2, 3, 4 hit seasons, right? You compile two more of those big years, and I think Mattingly might be in. But he missed a bunch of games, and I think if he had played in, you know, 50 to 75 more regular season games, maybe even 100 through the years where he missed a bunch of times, uh, games, a bunch of times, 95, 94, uh, you know, 1990. Uh, I think if he plays in, you know, 50 to 75 to 100 games, I think if he plays in, you know, more of those games, and then on top of that has two more really, really good, solid, productive years, 290 to 310 batting average, 100 RBI seasons, uh, uh, maybe 20 to 25, 30 home runs in, in each in each year, um, you know, in, in, in 190 to 210 or 20 hits. I think if you take all those numbers, I think, I think he's in. Because you think about 220, let's say 220, 220, and, and another, I don't know, 60 hits from games that he missed, that's 500 more hits. That puts him at 2,600. It looks a lot different. 2653. His batting average 307 lifetime was pretty darn good. Nothing wrong with that, right? But maybe the OBP goes up into that 390-400 neighborhood, right? Uh home run wise, you know, Don Mattingly had 222. That's not that many. He, he actually could hit for power. Uh, but if he hits another, you know, 200 home runs in his career, 422 looks like I mean that, you know, those those are the those are kind of the numbers, right? Like if he puts up those I think he gets in, but Larry Walker is well deserved, uh, well deserving to get in. Uh, his speech was great. He had an unbelievable career, uh, terrific all-around player, just fantastic stuff. Uh, and then Derek Jeter. I mean, was there any doubt? Was there any doubt that Derek Jeter was going to absolutely, positively slam it out of the park with this thing? I mean, this guy has some kind of just flair for the moment. I don't know. What, there, there's very few guys who have it. You know, Michael Jordan being one who was there. Uh, you know, even Michael, you know, talking, celebrating Kobe Bryant. I mean, how many people can do what he did? Every single thing, it's just, and Jeter, you know, admitted, you know, hey, I, you know, I, for 18 months, I didn't really have anything ready and, you know, kind of prepared it recently and it was smart to do it that way. And it was amazing. I mean, his speech was absolutely fantastic. And I think when you think about Derek Jeter, flair for the dramatic, dramatic, super clutch in the moment flair for the moment um it's easy to just say the flip and the dive and this and that and five rings and you know six all-time and hits and 
um, you know, Mr. November and, and, and all that stuff, all the big moments, the clutch moments, five for five on his 3000 hit day, hitting a home run for his 3000 hit off David Price. I mean, there's so many things Derek Jeter has done, but on top of that, it's the handling of New York, having the perfect baseball career on and off the field, listening to his parents and his, the guidance, never getting in trouble, no front pages, no back pages, um, dated all the, the, the hottest women in the world. I mean, the resume of Derek Jeter's girlfriends is just untouched. And now his wife is arguably the, you know, the, the best one of them all, right? Clearly for him, he thought so, because it was a life partner. But, you know, Hannah Davis, is, you know, she was there as well, and, and she's spectacular. Right? And just like all, all, the, all the other ones, I mean, it's just, you know, but he, he was able to date beautiful women, and I think he made the right move with it because he stayed single all the way until he was done, got, you know, got married, had kids late, but remember, during his career, I think part of it was there's a lot of scum out there, and people are trying to take advantage of your celebrity. Well, guess what? Derek Jeter didn't date just your normal girl or your scumbag girl who's trying to get pregnant or you know eventually get your money and all that sort of thing, or go in the papers and say you know while maybe the the sex was consensual among both of you, uh, she comes out and might lie and say, "Oh, you raped me," and all of a sudden the next thing you know, I mean, those things happen in sports. Everybody knows that. Um, it's horrible. It's, it's horrible. Sometimes it does happen, but many times it doesn't. Um, there's fame and fortune and people chase that and, and it's a sick game. Derek Jeter dated supermodels and Miss Universe in Americas and Mariah freaking Carey and hello, like Minka Kelly, Jessica Alba. These women have a ton of money. These women are, are, are models and rock stars in their own right. So I think that helped him. I think I think him dating high-profile, money-making models and, and success stores, Hannah Davis, cover Sports Illustrated, does not get bigger than that for the swimsuit issue. And my goodness, what an issue that is. Like, it is absolutely, positively the right way to, to work it. And Jeter did it. And that's exactly, it goes in line with everything he's done, on and off the field, handling everything the right way. You know, the final day, the final game at Yankee Stadium, I was there, I was crying my eyes out. Uh, but he gave that speech... And it was just, it was so Jeter, again, in the moment, doing his thing. And, you know, the speech was remarkable as well. I mean, you know, he, he highlighted teammates. He apologized to trainers like Gene Monaghan. Hey, sorry I lied to you, you know, the, saying I was good to go and healthy. And he tells you he played through a bunch of pain. A lot of guys do. It's a grind. Baseball's a grind. Uh, he highlighted his family. Uh, he said, you know, it, 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 it all comes back to family for me. And, and it truly does. And, you know, his kids and Hannah were there and, and his parents were there. Uh, and, and you know how you know how you know how big Derek Jeter is. I mean, I know he wore the Jordan brand and all that, right? Look, Michael Jordan and he became really, 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 really good friends. When you get inducted in the Baseball Hall of Fame and you're Derek Jeter, I understand you're already big. I understand you're a rock star, and then it gets even bigger because Michael Jordan is at your induction. It does not get bigger than Michael Jordan. Maybe Muhammad Ali, right? Like maybe. Uh, 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 Tiger Woods, I mean, maybe maybe those are the only, I mean, you know, maybe a Tom Brady to a, to a certain degree, although I think Brady and Jeter have had similar careers, although Jeter, you know, played his whole career in, in one uniform. Um, remarkable, just remarkable. And he just knocked it out of the park again with a speech. He, he did, you know what he, he did too, is he, he, he just, every single person he highlighted and thanked and uh, he, everything was perfect. It was on the nose. He, he highlighted them. He got out. He went to the next person, got out. And it was just a perfect time 
uh, length as well. So congratulations to Ted Simmons, Larry Walker, Marvin Miller, posthumously his family, and uh, my man, my favorite player, Derek Sanderson Jeter, the amazing Derek Jeter, uh, just handling everything the right way. And I just don't know if there's anybody who could come in and do what he did you know, on and off the field, social media, the pressure, shortstop of the Yankees, wearing that uniform, cap, you know, New York City, all the media, uh, front and back pages, all the nonsense, the 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 explosion of social media, right, during his career, uh, and he just, everything was, he, he was literally spot on, perfect to a T. I didn't even make one mistake. It's absolutely mind-boggling, and for the overrated crew, with, oh, well, if he did Cincinnati and Pittsburgh, you would have been... Re- I'll tell you what, if he had been in Cincinnati, he would have been Barry Larkin. Guess where, guess where Barry Larkin is? He's in the Hall of Fame. He might have even been better than Barry Larkin in Cincy, but we don't know. Sure, Jeter had the resources. He had team teammates and Hall of Famers and great players and uh, an awesome manager at the right time and Joe Torre and uh, a front office that had built this thing with Bob Watson and Gene Michael. Um, and and, and, and he, he had all that. I get that. Uh, being in New York created more advertising opportunities, created a higher profile. It created a lot of different things. Um, you know, to 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 allow him to obviously benefit and prosper, and he highlighted that as well. But the reality is, not many people could have done it like Derek Jeter. The ML Sports Platter is brought to you by Stanley Law Offices, Bryant and Stratton College of Syracuse, and our great friends at Welch and Company Jewelers. Coming up next, amazing conversations with Tino Martinez, Willie Randolph. Uh, also, you'll hear from. Uh, Peter Gammons, the longtime media man, great reporter, awesome writer, and uh, was on ESPN for a number of years, and Barry Bloom, National Baseball Insider from Sportico. All of those conversations are coming up, but first, this. Tino Martinez, Yankee great here. New York State Baseball Hall of Fame was awesome. Congratulations again on that. Um, What stands out today as you have the memories and all the Derek Jeter moments and the dynasty in New York and everything you guys did is just remarkable, and every day I think it's even valued more because we haven't had a repeat champion since 2000. And your dynasty, by the way, was the greatest dynasty of my lifetime as a fan. What goes through your head today, like two years ago when Mo went in? Uh, well, today, what I think about mostly today is Derek's first year in the big leagues. You know, um, uh, he wasn't supposed to make the team in spring training, and Tony Fernandez broke his arm, and they gave Derek a chance. And um, that first year, first game, hits a home run, becomes rookie of the year. And then just to, to think about that day moving forward to ending right here in Cooperstown, uh, that's what's going through my mind right now. 20 seconds left. What stands out the most for you when you think about Derek Jeter? Is it the daily, just the daily grind, the commitment? Yep, consistency. Totally consistent in his approach every day. Uh, he came to the ballpark with a great attitude every day. He was never tired, never made excuses, and was a great example for all the younger players behind him. Tino, thank you. Appreciate it always. Thank you. We are here with Willie Randolph, the Yankee great, and and I got to tell you, it's first of all, it's great to see. You. I haven't thank seen you. you in Cooperstown since uh, I think 2014. We had Corona and all the bullcrap right that went on. What's it feel like to be back to just to just have baseball, the atmosphere, Jeter going in, Mo two years ago? Yes. What's it feel like? I'm ecstatic. It, it, it's such an honor to be here always, and it's a special place. And then when you have people that you've touched in some way, you know whether it's Tory or Gossage or Jeter, it just it just makes you proud. You know what I mean. So for me, it's a beautiful day, and I just proud that I had a little part in their success. And I'm just looking forward to the speeches because Ted Simmons, outstanding. I've loved him. Larry Walker, 
five tool guy when you know no one talked about five tool back in the day he was excellent and then the great marvin miller so special day and i'm happy to be here you're obviously a yankee great people love you when you first put on the uniform, it's a two-part question. What did it feel like when you put the uniform on the pinstripes for the first time? And also, when did you feel like you were officially accepted in the Bronx? Interesting. Good question. Well, you feel like you don't believe it. Because I grew up in New York. I grew up a Met Yankee fan. So when you actually put the uniform on. quick, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You look at yourself and you go, like, can I pitch myself now? Okay? And then when I felt like I arrived is when I felt like my teammates accepted me. Like the, the captain. And Thurman Munson, all those young, all those players embraced me, and it wasn't that long. I mean, I was a rookie, and I was young, but they knew I was going to be there. So it, it didn't take too long for me to, to feel like a Yankee. But when Thurman Munson says, "Hey, you're one of us," that's when I was like, "Okay." So that it was early on, but those guys took me under their wing. Chris Chambliss, Roy White. You know, Gidry. Gidry, all those cats took me under their wings, so it made it easy. Is Thurman Munson a Hall of Famer? No, not yet. He should be. I mean, he's always been debated about the borderline, this and that. Do you think he should be here? I personally think so. I mean, again, I don't get, I just know what I know as a teammate and what he did because I was there. But the numbers, some people say he's a little shorter on the numbers. I just know that if he didn't die in that horrific plane crash, he would have been a Hall of Famer. But, you know, but for me, yes, but. There's always going to be a debate. Hopefully the Veterans Committee one day will vote him in, hopefully, and, and it will be justice for him. I see your Yogi Museum. Oh, I, I want to go there so bad. Montclair, New Jersey, right? Yes. yes um, what did Yogi mean to you? Well, that's why I'm representing him today. You know, Yogi, I love Yogi. He was my coach, my manager, my friend. We still do his golf tournament every year to raise money for the museum. Yogi Bear Museum. Yes, yes, yes. And it's a beautiful course in, in Montclair. But the bottom line is that, you know, Yogi is, is a part of my upbringing. You know, from when I was a kid back in 76, Yogi was there. He left and went away for a while. But when he came back in the 80s, managed, coach. Again, when I was managing the Mets, he he, he would come see me. We'd still talk baseball, you know. So I, I, he's, he's like a dad to me. I love Yogi. Ten rings, 14 pennants, purple heart. The guy had ten lives. 20 seconds yeah. left for you. Yeah. Finish this sentence. Derek Jeter is. One of the truest sense of what a ball player should be, you know, on and off the field. Because people always talk about what he does on the field, but through his foundation and things that he gives back on, that's what I look at Derek and see more than anything. Because he's very unassuming. He doesn't like a lot of credit. But when he's a total package. Reminds me of Winfield. You know, Winfield in a way was like that. You have a responsibility to your friends, your family, your community. So for me, from day one, he came to work. I hit thousands, thousands of ground balls. He never complained. He worked his ass off every day for me. So I'm, I'm, I'm surprised because you never think that a guy's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Is that that's not something you think about? Like early. Yes, yeah, yes. But, but, but when you see him progress in the championships and the way he led as a captain, I'm not surprised. And again, I'm just happy to be here. And by the way, Winfield was his hero. Yes. And and you know you win in New York, Willie. You know there is. I mean, you're you're a Yankee. That's you win. Right. There is nothing like that. That's right. That's the great right. Willie right. Randolph. Thank you. Great to see you guys. Good talking to you. Take right. care. Enjoy. One of the greatest media guys I've ever read. ESPN, all the columns, all the articles. Peter Gammons is here on the ML Sports Platter, brought to you by Stanley Law Offices. It's great to see you. You look fantastic. When you look at this class, what did Derek Jeter mean to you in baseball? Well, I thought he was a huge part of a great era in Yankee history. I mean, growing up in the East Coast, you know, I was always... Very interested in the Yankees. 
They were really good. They, I, I think the job that Gene Michael and Buck Showalter did to bring them out of a very dismal period, remember that it's basically a left-handed ballpark and change, and still, Derek was that even guy. It was never about Derek. It was only about the Yankees, and I think that was very important to that team. They never had a, a home run champion or a superstar, per se, but they just went out and played every time. Joe Torre was the perfect manager for them. And uh, um, but Derek sort of represented everything that uh, he, he, it was never about him. It was never about him being entitled to anything. It was just about go out and play every day and do this field and hit exact same way every single day. And that team personified it. 20 seconds left. Just another thought on this class. Miller, Simmons, Walker, anything you have? Well, just because I think they're, they're players. Simmons and Walker, I think, were ignored for a while. I have thought they were both clear Hall of Fame players. And Marvin Miller is one of the three to five most important people in baseball history. Believe me, the owners aren't making near the money they are today if it weren't for Marvin Miller. No doubt. Are you feeling okay? How's no. health, everything? You look right. great. Thank Peter Gammons, thank you a million. Thank We've you been all much. watching you. You set the standards for, for years. Thank you. Okay. ML Sports Blatter back with here. My man, Barry Bloom, one of the best in the business here in Cooperstown. When you look at this class, what is the main storyline? Well, I think it, it takes you through baseball history, you know, with what Marvin Miller did to, for the players to put them on the map and basically distribute some of the money. I mean, really, you could make an argument that Marvin Miller not only built the economy of baseball for the players, but he did it for the owners, too. They've done nothing but make money since free agency came to baseball, and the value of the franchises have gone up exponentially. And then you have the products of all the, these guys. You know, Simmons, who played in, in the first era of free agency, you know, God only knows why baseball writers didn't vote him 5% to keep him on the ballot for at least a longer look. Uh, I always thought that was, uh, that was terrible. That was my first year that I voted. I don't even remember whether I voted for him or not. It was the year Seaverger got in and not Raleigh Fingers. And that was my first Hall of Fame induction. And, of course, you know, what can you say about, uh, you know, Jeter and Walker? I mean, Walker was a terrific player. Uh, you know, Jeter is a, is a hallmark. You know, it's still his last game at Yankee Stadium is still one of my favorite games that I've ever covered of all time. But that single the drive in the winning run. And I was at Fenway for the dribbler up first, which, you know, he hustled to first. Hey, little leaguers everywhere for generations. Right, Barry? They, they saw that play. Right, I was there for that, too. It was a great last week. So it's a great class. I'm sorry there's not more people here to see it. Yeah, 20 seconds to go. Um, when you look at Derek Jeter's career, um, when did you feel like he arrived officially? 1996. <laughs> I mean, right, really, yeah, right away. Cleveland, no, you know, at, at, yeah, and, and, and basically the Yankees went to the World Series and won the World Series. I mean, him and Mo, you know, Mo was the backup guy to Wetland that year, and Jeter was the starting shortstop. And Tory went with him, and, you know, it just took off from there. Barry Bloom, you're one of my favorites. You know that, my man. Okay, thanks. You, you too.
When someone first comes in and you see that discouragement on their face, they've tried so many different products, but nothing seemed to work for them. I'm able to take that disappointment and that pain and turn it into hope. You're listening to Mallory, an art support specialist at the Goodfeet store. And they try the art supports. It's a light up moment. You see their face brighten up. They go from feeling discouraged to being happy and hopeful again. For over 25 years, the Good Feet Store and our art support specialist have been helping folks live the life they love without foot, knee, hip, or back pain getting in the way. That's why this job is so important. They're helping people, getting back into the activities that they've wanted to do for a long time, doing the things that they love to do with their Good Feet Art Supports. We're able to help them and take them from the pain to the possibilities, and I love it. The Good Feet Store is located in Fairfax, Leesburg, Rockville, Baltimore and Hunt Valley, and in Annapolis in the Annapolis Harbor Center. For more information, go to goodfeet.com. Welcome back to Holiday Hits Radio. This next song goes out to a special trio, TJ Maxx, Marshalls, and HomeGoods. Kate from Utah didn't know holiday magic was real until she met you. From your always stocked gifts to your countless locations and great prices, you're making our holiday dreams come true. Let's hear that song. Visit TJ Maxx, Marshalls, and HomeGoods for endless selection and great prices all season long. The lines are lighting up. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.